Daniel Wettstein from the Answers 42 Media Network here, and I'm here to tell you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Breaking Broncos. This is your host, Daniel Westheim, with my co-host, Dylan Miles. Here we are. There's a little bit of a surprise for you all. I know I have not announced this, but we do have a co-host for Breaking Broncos. This is my guy, Dylan, from the Colorado Media School. We have been together since pretty much day one. I think we were a month apart in cohorts. Isn't that right? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, perfect. So, this is not a new relationship, but it is something new for all of you, and I'm very excited for it. I know Dylan is as well. So we're going to go ahead and jump in again. This is Breaking Broncos, and we're about to talk about your Denver Broncos. But before I get salty, I would like to throw it to Dylan here to give his ideas on whether or not he thinks these Broncos are legit, and this is something that we can count on moving forward. I mean, when you look at it, you start off 3-0 against last year's three worst teams in the league. And you take, yeah, you're right, you take with a grain of salt, but that's what you, you build off of. You shine off of that because look at that offense. It's rolling, even against... Some of those defenses, especially this Jets defense, who is not that bad, you look at that next week going into Baltimore, you just got to stay healthy is my thing. Coming off of this game, you got Hamler out, Dalton Reiser went out, Glasgow, Judy in week one. But hopefully those guys, those two old linemen come back. I think we look forward to this upcoming season, but we don't get too excited. That's what I think. I think I'm going to piggyback off of that a little bit. <laughs> I, I definitely have enjoyed these three weeks. I think oh, yeah. all of Broncos country needs to savor what we've experienced over these last three weeks. Because this is where I'm about to get salty. I do not have any faith that this offense can keep up its production as we hit the meat of the schedule. Because, again, mm. Teddy Bridgewater has only had one 300-yard game against three of the worst defenses in the league. He threw no touchdown. Yes, Broncos were obviously able to get a couple of touchdowns on the ground. But again, there's something else that worries me because for third week in a row, they have averaged less than four yards per carry. That is very scary. I'm not going to go too far into that because I think we want to talk about that later on. But that offense, there's just a lot of warts. And then again, what you were saying about the injuries, the, the old line injuries are what really are worrying me. I understand we have a couple of injuries in KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy. Those are scary. But that O line with the rushing game, I don't know, man. It's got me really worried. Yeah. And but when I look, looking at that run game, four, four yards per carry is very low. But putting the production, that's why I always talk about my dad and I always talk about this. 
you got to have two running backs on the core that can both put up production on the field. If one guy's not getting it, one guy will go in. But if both of them are only averaging four on a carry like that, it's going to get down. You're going to start going downhill sooner or later, especially coming up against the Browns front in week five. That's going to, I, I just can't, I'm speechless about that because that's a scary front seven. And yeah, if you can't I mean, punch it in against the three worst defenses in the league like that, I'm not so sure what's going to happen. Yeah, I, that, that's exactly what's had me worried. And I, I wrote about it on the answers 42 media.net that Teddy is just steady. He's going to move it between the twenties. But once you get into the red zone is where his shortcomings really glare. He does not have the arm to squeeze it into those tight windows once you get into that red zone. And that's where these next few games are really going to show up. I mean, you mentioned the Browns, but they still got to get through Baltimore next week before yeah. they even get to the Browns. I mean, I know that the, the Ravens have dealt with some injuries and some uh, COVID issues. And Jamal hurting defensive line. And Lamar hurting himself jumping in the end zone. Exactly. <laughs> Stupid move, but I mean, hey, he's pushing through. A lot of the Ravens' issues on the defense have been COVID-related. They've had a lot of guys go onto the COVID list, whether it was close contacts, whether they tested positive, whatever the case may be. They're going to get most of those guys back. Especially, yeah, especially coming up this week. And even looking at this front line and looking at this division this year scares me because AFC West has always been a scary division, mainly just because of the Chiefs, really. But now you look at it, the Raiders start off 3-0, Chargers are 2-1, Chiefs are 1-2, but I'm that's just early in the season. I'm not going to say much on that. Right. <laughs> I completely agree on that. You know, a as lot much of as I love already... to see them 1-2, I'm not going to keep going. Exactly. And you've already had the Twitter trolls out talking about, oh, the Broncos are two games ahead of Kansas City. Well, also look at the strength of schedule. Yeah, look at who Kansas City is. Kansas City's playing a first place schedule. We're playing a last place schedule. They didn't open up against the three worst teams. They opened up against one, three of the best teams. Starting off league. a rematch from the divisional last year, where the Chiefs could have lost it, especially against that great Browns team. Yeah, last week you go into Baltimore, and deservedly so, they lost that game. They let that one get out of their hands as well. This week you start down fourteen to nothing, even against the Chargers, who have a great quarterback with Justin Herbert. And a great offense, the defense is what's on the Chargers' side that will hold them back a little bit. But the Chiefs will be coming back. And the Broncos, especially when you get into this meet of the schedule, like we have, like we said, Baltimore, Cleveland, Steelers, and then heading into Las Vegas, it's just you got to be worried about this meet of a schedule coming up soon. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And like we were saying, 3.2 yards per carry is not going to do it. I mean, I've said this in no. week one. I, I, read it, I wrote it down on essentially paper. It's on a website, but we can call it paper. You know, that... Same thing. Those, against the better teams, like in week one, you had Melvin Gordon. He went for over 100 yards. That's the only 100-yard rushing game so far for the Broncos. But... Only off of... 70, of yeah. 70 yards at <laughs> 100 was off of one run. If you took away that 70-yard run, the Broncos, with their both their running backs, Gordon and Williams, had a total of 62 yards. And I have that 70-yard run. That's both of them together. So, they're at, like I said, they're barely averaging more than three yards per carry. That is unacceptable in the NFL. I don't care how good your 
quarterback is or the rest of your offenses, if you are not pounding the rock, especially against these teams like Baltimore who are going to pound the rock, you are going you're not you're never going to get to that 70 yard run. They're not going to give you the ability because they're going to jump out to a large lead and you're not going to be able to stay committed to the run the way the Broncos have the last three weeks. The only reason the Broncos have been able to pump out 120 to 150 or more yards per game on the ground is because they've built an early lead and they've been able to just run the rock, run the rock, no matter if it is only three and a half yards per carry because they're going to get three and a half, three and a half. That leaves a little bit less than three yards or a little bit less than two yards. For Teddy to pick up on third down. And but, watching that game, especially I'm a very big Javante Williams fan. Because and even before yeah. the announcer said it, what I noticed before the announcer said is he will make that first guy miss almost no matter what. Exactly. And he is a downhill. He's going to run downhill and hit you hard on the run. And that's just what he does. And especially watching those clips with those highlights from North Carolina. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes that starting job halfway through the season for Melvin Gordon because he had more carries on the day than Melvin did. Uh, this is actually the first week that Javante has not out-carried Melvin Gordon. Oh, he did the it this two week. Weeks, yeah, the first two weeks he out-carried Melvin Gordon by at least two carries. But this week, Melvin Gordon had 18 rushes to Javon, Javante Williams' is 12. And I think that has a lot to do with the fumble near the goal line. I yeah. think that's probably the only reason Javante Williams, because after that fumble, you barely saw Javante touch the ball. And that's I the am. one. That's the one thing that worried about me this season. It, but it wasn't on Javante Williams' side. It was on Melvin Gordon's. Melvin yeah. Gordon just had a problem last year of keeping the ball, of and he lost it a lot last year. So far this year, he's been he's been clean off the first three weeks. Javante Williams with the one fumble right on the goal line. Ended up turning into an interception, but still, it just you can't happen. You can't. You got to protect the ball. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. When you're down there, I mean, it was honestly a perfect hit by the defender. The defender put his hat on the ball, gave it everything he had, and popped it out. But again, regardless of that being the case, unacceptable at the goal line. You must have two hands, and it must not touch the ground. And exactly what you're saying about Gordon. That's actually an issue he's had all the way back to college. That's yeah. something that ever since Wisconsin, he's had an issue with. So it has been nice to see that he's been clean through the first three games, but he was also clean through the first, I think, five games last year yeah. before he had his first fumble, and then it was just a cascade. So we're going to hope that if it – we're going to hope he doesn't fumble, but if he does, we're going to also hope that it doesn't cascade like it did last year and what it seems to do with him because he's really streaky. He'll have several games where he doesn't fumble, and then he'll have three or four straight games where he fumbles at least once. So – we're going to hope that he's he's fixed that. But again, I don't think he – I agree with you. I don't think he ends the year as Broncos starting yeah. running back. Uh, it's just – there's too many things. Like the way he got trucked at the goal line, like I really thought he was dead. I thought yeah. I thought that C.J. Mosley murdered somebody on national television. Yes, there were. We all, we all witnessed it because that hit – I thought they were reading his, his final rights, and I honestly didn't think he touched the field again. I'm surprised. Yeah, that was a monster hit. And I think we're seeing a new Melvin Gordon this year because I agree. And I've, I always liked Melvin from when, even when he was in the chargers last year, I really enjoyed having them, especially when Philip Lindsay was down with injuries. And then you come back this year, you're the head guy now. And then they bring in Javante Williams from North Carolina in the second round. And Melvin, is, even though he's not averaging those yards, he's doing what they need him to do. 
He's going in there and getting things done. That's the same with Teddy, in my opinion. As much I I always I wanted to see another year of Drew Lock, I will say, but I was okay with the Teddy decision because Teddy's overall a calm, cool, collected quarterback. Always has been. And seeing yeah. this offense just get under production. I know it was against the Zach Wilson and the Jets, but seeing them just keeping keeping momentum going, keeping it just keeping it cool, calm and collected all the way down the field. It's been great so far this season. You just got to keep it going starting next week. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the the limitations of Teddy just always give me pause. Like I know so many people, you know, they're they're okay with the pick of Teddy over Drew. But my thing is, is that he's going to give a lot of fool's gold over uh-huh. the first couple of months. I believe when we see his limitations truly show up are November in Denver. December in Kansas City, in nasty weather that he just that he's not going to have wide open receivers like he had today. I mean, how many times did we see on third down where he went and scrambled around because the Jets didn't know what they were doing mm-hmm. until one of his wide wide receivers came wide open and he was able to float it over top of the defense, especially that downfield pass to KJ, the one he got hurt on, but yes. especially that downfield area where. He just the two defenders just did not know where they were going. One was on Tim Patrick, one was on on KJ, and they both just cut back towards Tim Patrick, where he was able to get wide open down the sideline. Tell me the Honey Badger does not break that play up if not pick it off. No, Honey Badger is going to be there every time. Exactly, that's and then, my point. Is and then especially even when you head into well, I was about to say San Diego when you head down to LA to face the Chargers, their secondary isn't a joke either. They they may seem no. like it, but you still have great players. I'm not sure if Chris Harris played today. I'm not sure if he was on today, but I mean, I mean, just look at the safeties and James. Yeah, I James mean, is. A he's going to be lurking. I mean, he's essentially the new version of the Honey Badger. Like he sees it, he wants it. Screw you, he's going to go get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's so those guys that can double back as safeties, linebackers, mm-hmm. and corners all in one, and that's yeah. And that's the one thing I think shined today for Broncos was the defense. Yes, absolutely. I mean, first shutout in two years, we would be absolutely remiss if we did not talk about that absolutely stellar defensive effort. And honestly, if the Broncos make it anywhere of significance this year, it will be on the back of that defense. Just like 2016. Yes, just like 2016, just like 2015. I mean, and two one Ravens. I mean, yeah. there's, there's several different uh, analogies we can use. But 2002 I, I, Bucks. <laughs> yes. Yes, John Gruden's Bucks. This this defense is absolutely legit. I am I, such, I a, to carry him. such a big fan of Alexander Johnson, especially when his first year with the Broncos. I love, I love the Raptor. Yeah, yes. his first year with the Broncos where nobody really knew who he was, and then he made that name for himself. I mean, then going his into story is insane. It is going in, and then last year where he he became the defensive play caller. He's basically one of the head captains of that defense. He goes out there, he hits hard, especially today, just breaking through that line, getting to Zach Wilson, making him move around, having to struggle. That was the high key of the high point he was of today. Everywhere. Was Alexander Johnson was everywhere. The D line was collapsing the O line. Von Miller today, even though he had the one sack, four sacks in three weeks is great. That's what we need. Yeah. Cut. AJ Johnson actually tied for the lead no, for the team lead in tackles. He had five total tackles, all solo. And, that, and crazy enough, can you guess who tied him for the league for the team lead? I, I would like to say somebody, but I don't think I could guess. 
This will shock. It's Patrick Sertan. Patrick Sertan. Five solo tackles as well. I'm such a. Including a pass deflection. I'm a fan of Sertan. I am too. <laughs> he is gonna lie. When we drafted him, everybody said take Fields. I wasn't. Bro. I did not want Fields. The only people who wanted Fields were the fans who aren't really paying attention to these players. Ohio State is the new UFC. Yeah, they are going. They are a program that pumps out win after win after win. But they, for some reason, whatever quarterback comes out of there is a bust. Yep. And watching. And when I when they when. When I saw the announcement for the Broncos taking Pats or Tim, I was very happy. Even though my dad really had to say something to me about it, about he wanted that linebacker. I forgot which linebacker. Oh, Michael Parsons from Penn State. We, my dad really yeah, wanted Michael Parsons. I really wanted him too. I did too. And you now we could really use him with Josie Jewell gone. Yeah, but – Patrick I didn't Tan see Sertan gonna... landing to us. That was yeah. the reason I wanted. I did not see Sertan lasting to the ninth pick. I no. honestly believed he would go top five because he is and has proven to be the best cornerback in this class. And just to emphasize Alexander Johnson being everywhere, got his full stats up here. Again, five tackles, five solo, two sacks, and a pass defense. That, my friends, is filling up the stat sheet. And that's why... He, that's why he's that leader of that defense now. Yes, that's why he wears that green sticker. Absolutely. Vaughn, Vaughn, everybody, think, he's the leader. Don't get me wrong. He's the leader of that team, but that defense is solely being, that defense is solely staying as well as they are because of the leadership of Alexander Johnson. And my yeah, parents, I think I had to show my parents who Alexander Johnson was because they didn't really watch last year. Right. I don't blame them. But watching him shine his first two seasons with us, and now coming to now coming into his own this year and yes. really stepping up has been fun to watch. And like the craziest part of his story is the man was out of football. Okay, so for for those of you that are listening that do not know Alexander Johnson's story, this man was falsely accused of rape his senior year of college. He was supposed to be a top ten pick in yep. the first round of his draft, but then. The girl accused him of rape, and as the as that always should be done, it was taken seriously. He went through the courts. It took what it was it was almost four years before so they many years. finally yeah before they finally got everything settled, and the girl admitted that she was lying from the beginning and that it was consensual, and so he was obviously all charges were dropped. But up until this point, no NFL team wanted to touch him because we all have seen what has happened with other players like Ray Rice, things of that nature. This was actually shortly after. I'm the, trying to uh, remember that kid uh, from Long Beach Poly that got accused. Yes, shortly after that guy. I was trying to think of it too, but I can't yeah. remember. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, but So he was a free agent. The Broncos signed him essentially as an undrafted free agent. Gave him a chance. He made the team coming out three years ago, and he just has not looked back since. So, again, this man was out of Football, not able to really do anything other than work out at a gym. Like he, no, no coaches would touch him. The man was just working out on his own at the gym for four years. Somehow kept himself in shape. Was able to come into an NFL locker room after four years away from the game. Yeah, win a starting spot, not just a spot on the fifty-three. He wasn't the fifty-three starting guy. spot his first year. Starting spot his first year, and has ran with it. And now we see what exactly John Elway saw. 
when he signed the kid. It's, it's absolutely amazing to watch the way that he's able, he's been able to take all those negatives, turn it into a positive, and now is staring at big, big bucks. Yeah, and hits the free agent market. And the thing about, I'll, I'll try and keep it short about John Elway. I'll keep it short, I should say, is the man didn't have the greatest draft classes, right? Mm-hmm. He had those. He had those people that shine, like Justin Simmons, right. but. The one thing I always gave him props for was finding those free agents, those unsigned yes. free agents. Yeah, and the late round picks and the free agents are definitely where John Elway's shined. I will 100% agree on that because one. That, because look what those two well, Super Bowls he of, won with are all – half that team was either super high draft – super low draft picks and undrafted yeah. free agents. While we're on John Elway finding diamonds in the rough, I think this is a perfect segue into talking about another one of those gems that he found off of the scrap heap, and that is Tim Patrick, oh, a wide man. receiver that led the team, tied for the team leading catches with five with Cortland Sutton, but led the team in receiving yards with 98 for a 19.6 yard average with a long of 31 yards, which was two absolutely insane catches. But that 31-yarder on the sidelines with the receipt, with the cornerback draped on him was still able to get both feet inbound. Oh, that man. was insane. My three God. straight weeks so, with a touchdown. What I want to ask, yes, three straight – well, actually, no touchdowns. Teddy didn't throw any touchdowns. Oh, that's right. He didn't get it. Yes. That's right. Yeah. yeah, Teddy threw no touchdowns today. There was no touchdowns receiving. Both touchdowns on offense came from Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. But – what I want to talk about is the fact that this man is asserting himself. He is the only player in the league that has not dropped a pass since 2019. How insane is that? Ah, oh, it's it's insane. And t- I I I've, I've always liked Tim Patrick, but when he had to step up last year without Cortland Sutton, he had the two rookies on the team with KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy. The man came into his own, leading that receiver core for the Broncos. And really watching him so shine so far this year, I think he's number two on the depth chart. If on the depth chart, if not one, behind Cortland Sutton, I completely agree. I still believe that Sutton is number one simply yeah. because of the physical traits. He and, is, he's, Tim, Tim and Cortland are pretty much what and what when it comes to size, but when it comes to suddenness, quickness, crisp route running, Sutton still has a little bit of an edge. But coming off that injury. Yeah, even coming off that injury. But my thing is, I absolutely love Tim Patrick. Oh, and man. you can get, I can guarantee you can get Tim Patrick for about a third of what you're going to pay Cortland Sutton next year or even this year. Oh, definitely. So, and watching, and I think people forgot about who Cortland Sutton was coming into this season. Man was I coming off he, of a Pro Bowl season. Coming, playing with three different quarter uh, quarterbacks his second season in the NFL. And then coming last year, getting the ACL injury against Pittsburgh, which really hurt us that year. And coming into this year, he's just shined so far. Teddy's just been hitting him. Teddy's been hitting every receiver, nine receivers in the first two games. Hit nine different receivers in two games. At least, yep. And, watch, and then watching Timmy Patrick come out there, and they don't know who to – double team they don't know who to put on who anymore because you see Corlin Sutton if you put two men on him look who else is on the field Timmy P KJ or even down even down check on if you go uh, check downs on to Javante or Melvin he's gonna find them down there but 
Corbin Sutton is a name that people forgot about around the NFL, and he's starting to reemerge. Yes. Yeah, no. I, I really think that Teddy and Tim have a special connection. Uh, you can see Teddy trying to force the ball into mm-hmm. Cortland. Like, he really wants to get Court going, but for whatever reason, they just can't seem to hit hook up. Him and Tim, they, they just got a special connection. It's been showing through the first three weeks. Yeah, again, he didn't have a touchdown today, but Patrick did have a touchdown the last two weeks. He's had at least four catches in every game, and he's had at least seven targets in every single game. And watching Timmy and uh, Britt and Teddy is just, they reminded me of that of either the 2012-2013 season with Peyton and DT. Those two that just had that special connection, that's what I see right now with with Tim Patrick and Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, they they definitely have it clicking together. That's that's 100%. And to be honest, when Tim Patrick was signed, a lot of people didn't realize who he was because he got he had a gruesome leg injury and in was college. bounced around. Yeah, it was I mean, it was his leg injury was on par to what Teddy had. So I think maybe that's something that like helped them connect on another level is like they know what that is to go through that and come back from that. And I, I think that's something that might help Cortland actually come into it as well. Is they can all kind of come together on three guys with massive knee injuries that are coming back and, and trying to prove to the to the NFL that you know they're not done and they still got plenty left in the tank. So I'm hoping to see it, that continue to grow, uh, especially with KJ Hamler being out. We're, we have Jerry Judy. He's going to be out for at least another five, if not another seven weeks. And those high ankle sprains tend to linger. So I really don't see. We think we see a like a fully healthy Jerry Judy for the entirety of the rest of 2021. Yeah. So I do see Tim and Court being those the guys. And this is going to really irritate fantasy owners i know it irritated me today because i sat tim and i and i played Cortland, and it screwed me <laughs> i might actually lose in my paid league because of it and that's but why anyways, i got out of fantasy well i mean i can't help it i gotta do it i got i got four leagues that i'm in right now two are paid i'm undefeated in both paid leagues so far and i'm hoping that uh, jalen hurts actually bites the bucket tomorrow so i can yeah. secure this victory but they are going to go back and forth, uh, to my point. Tim and Court, they're going to go back and forth each week on who has the better game. Because Teddy loves both of them so much, he's going to get them both involved. So you're going to have a week like this week where Tim Patrick was the better option, five catches, 98 yards. Or you're going to have the week like you had last week where Cortland Sutton had a career game, 170-plus yards, multiple touchdowns, all that got me 50 points almost. And so if Teddy, you're a fantasy owner... Try to stay away from the Broncos receiving core because it's going to drive you nuts. And with Teddy is the thing about Teddy really hasn't had that guy in the league really ever. Even when he was in Minnesota, bouncing over to New Orleans when he backed up Drew Brees. Even last year with Carolina, he didn't have that guy or those guys in Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. He finally has those two guys that he can really rely on. That if he's going to throw down the field, that they're going to go up and get it. Yeah, beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is definitely the best offense Teddy Bridgewater has ever been on. And again, we need to remind people that before his leg injury, he was a Pro Bowl quarterback. Like, I don't want people to think that I think Teddy's a bad quarterback. I just think he's limited. 
and it's not it's nothing to do with his it's not his fault like it's just that, that gruesome knee injury, knee injury yeah that he doesn't have the base he used to have like if you go back and look at his his tape from Louisville there's a reason the man won a Heisman trophy like yeah. A lot of people want to forget about that. Like the dude was the best player in college football across the entire nation. And that's why Minnesota took him that high. Well, actually, he oh, fell no, all the way into the twenties. Yeah, right. he fell all the way into the twenties. And that because was he was from Louisville. Oh yeah, and you know, so he he went on. He had a Pro Bowl year. It was the year after the Pro Bowl where he blew his knee out. And I mean, if you go back there, look, you can training, see yeah. the arm strength. You can see the mobility. Uh, you can still kind of see that in him now. Uh, you can see every once in a while he gets a little bit of behind the throw and he can hit the guy 30, 40 yards downfield. Yeah, but, again, that's in perfect conditions, sunny days. He has not had a bad weather game yet. And he actually has not had a bad weather game since he started for New Orleans. Like, yep. ever, his 5-0 and at New Orleans were either in a dome or in perfect weather. And last year in in, Cal- in Carolina, I think he had one bad one bad bad weather game. And I think the the only really I guess technically you could say bad weather game he had in New Orleans and uh, not New Orleans in Minnesota is when they still didn't have a stadium and they were playing in the University of Minnesota's yeah. uh, stadium when it was just br- those brutal Minnesota winters where it's just cold every day. But other the cold is one thing I'm not worried about affecting Teddy. It's just mm-hmm. until we get that snow coming down or that rain. Wind. Yeah. Exactly. Wind is the big thing. Like, like and, and condensation. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> you know, the, the ball gets heavier. The ball gets like, I understand he's Teddy two gloves and he likes to wear the, the gloves and all of that. That only helps with help much. You. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that only helps with grip. That doesn't help you throw it harder <laughs> or farther. So that that was the main reason why I wanted Drew. It, it was the upside, the great arm, and the fact that he improved. This was the first year that he showed absolute improvement from one year to the next. Because he had he, a same coordinator for the exactly. second time. Right. For the first time since his sophomore year in college. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that you know, year, that year he had his career high. He threw for over 4,000 yards, over 25 touchdowns, and career-low interception rate. Facts. Exactly. I, I don't know, man. It's just insane the way that things went down. But again, I love what Teddy's doing. I don't want to be the salty man, you know, crudding on the parade or whatever. I just I don't see how this gets you to a win the way that they played, especially this week. Like, the last couple of weeks, I could see how you might be able to finagle those into a win against a better team. It, it's just the the lack of a passing game, really. Teddy only had 234, 35 yards yep. on 19 of 25 passing. 25 pass attempts, 19 completions, and you only squeeze out 235 yards. And I think the big, no thing, the big thing I take away from today from Teddy is not turning over the ball. I mean, yeah, that's great. Yeah. But even if you're not turning over the ball, you're playing, say, Kansas City, and yeah. you have that fumble on the goal line. I promise you don't have a 21 nothing lead. No, you lose that lead off a of fumble. And that's where things are – that's where true colors are going to get shown is when you start to get into division play. Yeah, division start, play, most definitely. Because in my opinion, 
and I bet you in most people around the NFL's opinion, this is the toughest division of football right now in the NFL. I would have to agree. I don't see anybody arguing. And over and even for even before it was Kansas City was the best team, or when Denver was the best team back in those four years of Peyton. That division was always tough, no matter what the records were. They always had great teams. The Chargers did. Raiders maybe, but they always had those players that could shine. But going in, even if the Raiders or the Chargers or Broncos, say whoever were in last, those other three teams were on the top shining in the league. Correct, yeah. I mean, AFC West is probably, I think you could definitely make an argument, if not a very good argument, that the AFC West has been one of the consistently strongest divisions in NFL history. Not a person. Yeah, there's some others that have been more top heavy. Like Mm -hmm. you've got the AFC East where the Patriots ring for almost 20 years. You know, the the NF or the AFC um North with, with the Steelers. With the Steelers and, and the Ravens. You know, that's an, always a really tough division, but again, it's very top heavy. Up until the last couple of years, Cincinnati and Cleveland are, have been an absolutely non factor. But when you look back at the AFC West, there's always an AFC West team that is determining the fate of the season. Yep. You know, whether it's a, a the Chiefs with Mahomes, Broncos with Elway or Manning, uh, you got the Chargers with either Fouts, Rivers, or now Herbert. And now you look uh, at that, uh, that Raiders, Raiders team with Gannon yeah. back in the early 2000s. I'm not yeah. going to go into Jamarcus Russell because we don't want to talk about that. No, I could, no, I could I mean, go on that even further back to like Tom Flores and Jake the Snake. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, Jake Plummer, in my opinion, out of all not the years. Not that Jake the Snake. Oh, not that. Jake Plummer. That's no, I'm right. About that, the Raiders, Jake the Snake. Yes, the original Jake the Snake yes. from the '60s Raiders. Yeah, that one. That man was a beast. But <laughs> I, I still think, like, when you look back at all these Broncos quarterbacks over the years, I'm not going to talk about after Peyton Manning because, my God, that's just a mess. <laughs> it's, it's painful. We get it. We get it. Yeah. But we don't want to relive you, it either. If you go back into those years before Peyton, you had obviously you had the one year with the Tebow magic. <laughs> you had Tebow time. Yeah. You had. Jay Cutler, Kyle Orton, I'm not going to talk about because we all know how that ended. Jay Cutler, who was not a bad court, was not a bad quarterback, but he wasn't a great no. quarterback. And he just didn't just, have that killer instinct. Yeah, he didn't have that killer instinct like Jake Plummer did. Yep, Jake Plummer, in my opinion, is one of my favorite Broncos quarterbacks I ever got to watch. Loved him, loved him. He got done dirty. He did, and especially that season where they lost the AFC title to the Steelers. That's this is the kind of thing I want to see from this Broncos team is that 05 team because that defense shined on that season. He had John Lynch and Champ in their first years together on that team. And then you look at that Broncos offense when you had Jake Plummer. I forgot who the mm-hmm. running back was because I know it's not Clinton Portis because of that trade. But the team the team that, that was Travis Henry. Was it Henry? That's what I was trying to think of. And you have those that team, it's very similar in my opinion to this year's Broncos so far is the offense isn't going to put up those big numbers, no, very big numbers like the record-breaking teams are. They're going to put up those numbers you need, and then the defense is going to go out and do their job. Right. And that's exactly. I mean, but you could kind of make the is, same thing. Yeah. The problem that I have with those types of analogies is the Broncos don't have what those teams had. And what, no, what I mean by that is, is they don't have that quarterback that's in a transcendent place. Like, the 15 Broncos, yes, they had Manning, but it was a shell of Manning, but it was still Manning's brain. He might have had a broken body, but he still had that brain. And that leadership for that team. 
Exactly. Then you look at the 2001 Ravens. That quarterback, uh, Trent Dilfer, he had a much stronger. Yeah, he had a much stronger arm, and he was able to get the deep ball. Like he was the the last real thrower in the NFL to be to have success. Dilfer wasn't the most accurate quarterback. He wasn't the smartest quarterback, but he had a really big arm, and he had enough mobility. And he was also the first quarterback to ever get cut after winning a Super Bowl. Super Bowl, right? (laughs) Exactly. Simply because of his limitations everywhere else. Because the Ravens knew mm -hmm. that it was a dead model, and they needed to move on to another one, which is when they went and got Joe Flacco. And then that's when you had also, that was the strong point with Ray Lewis. You had the Ray Lewis leadership, who was also just getting into his prime, where he was such a great player. He had that voice. He was going out there making sure that defense was going to get things done. And they had, Ed Reed was on that team. I'm, am I wrong? Is Ed Reed on that 2001 yes. Super Bowl? Yes. Yeah, you had Ed Reed, one of the hardest-hitting safeties of all time, if not the hardest-hitting safety of all time. And that's, that's just things. As you look at, like you said, I, I agree with you now after we got into that, is these analogies just don't make sense too because you look at the other things, the schemes these teams had. Like that the 05 Broncos team had the Mike Shanahan scheme. With still had Gary Kubiak, or I'm not sure if they did. They probably did, I think. Yeah, so, that was, I think, the year before he went to Houston. Yep, and that's when you had Mike Shanahan, boy wonder of Denver, one of the greatest head coaches of all time in Denver Bronco history. But then you go back and look at that 2001 Ravens team. You can't really compare them to today's Ravens team if they are the same in a way because you don't have the same head coach. And I just blanked on his name because he's one of my favorite coaches. John Harbaugh. No, 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 01 coach. Oh, the 01 coach? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, man, I can see his face. I can see the yeah. mole on his chin, even. <laughs> One um, of my favorite coaches in the NFL. Bullock. Yep. He was one of my yes. favorites. Same with, um, I mean, I'm, I'm already blanking on his name, too, the Steelers coach in 05. And I can't Are believe I forgot his name. for the thumb. Jeez. Um, he's on the NFL. Whatever. We're doing really bad with these coaches' names yeah. that are retired. But I can see his face, Cower. Cow, Cower. Coach Cower, who is one of my – there are those – the five coaches that I really like who aren't in the league. But I just can't compare them to these coaches now because it's not the same. Same with these analogies on these teams. Yeah. But you can yeah, still see the similarities, but it's just not the same. Right, definitely. And that's, that's what drives me nuts about people trying to compare this iteration of the Broncos, again, with the 2015 Broncos, the 01 Ravens, the 85 Bears. Those quarterbacks were much more capable, and the mm-hmm. and and most importantly of all, every one of those teams had a transcendent rushing attack. Again, we have a rushing attack that's averaging barely more than three yards per carry. So the fact that the, the quarterback level of play is nowhere near because in each one of those years, quarterbacks were having a career year. This is a very good year for Bridgewater, but it's still below his Pro Bowl level when he was in Minnesota. So, and we'll see what happens going here later in the season. Exactly. This is this is three weeks in the season, people. Yeah. Let's calm down. Let's calm down. Enjoy it while we can. That way we don't want to commit suicide when things fall off a cliff. And it happens okay. every year for every team all across the NFL. Everybody yes. jumps to conclusions way too early. I mean, I've had my fair share. I know I have. But yeah, now yeah. – Seeing all these, you just got to get, you just got to stay calm. It's three weeks in. It's not like we're week 16, 17 into the league. 
I mean, it's the the reason that fans is short for fanatics is for a reason. Okay, definitely. That's, that's what we are. We're fanatics. We we are absolutely enthralled by every up and down of our of our favorite team. So that is completely understandable. But again, let's be moderate people. Let's take it down a notch. This is not a Super Bowl team. I don't care what anybody has to say. I don't care what type of stats you want to throw at me. I'll throw them right back at you. This is not a Super Bowl team. If we make the if the Denver Broncos make the playoffs, that's the start they need. That's the start you want. Yes. Is getting a playoff berth. Kinda. If you have your yeah. quarterback. But this is yes. where my conundrum came in with the whole Drew Locke thing. Like, who cares if we win with Teddy? Teddy is not our your long term franchise quarterback, especially for a team that plays a lot of its games outdoors and its home stadium is in one of the states that has some of the worst winter weather. Anyway, and the thing about this is why the bill the Bills went and got Josh Allen because they understood that quarterback limitations are exasperated in the North. If this was if he was still in Carolina, if he was in Tampa Bay, even New Orleans. New Orleans, I'd be like, yes, sign him. The guy's great for that type of a team. A team You're that's indoors. Play most of their games, exactly, either indoors or in the South. You're gonna. That's where the majority of your games are played. If he was on a team like that, yes, re-sign him. If you have a great team, like I, th- I honestly think that the Saints messed up when they let him go because I think he would be better for that team right now than even Jameis is. And, and look Jameis what he, is doing well. And look what he did for that team when Drew Brees went out with that. Uh, five and zero, yeah, five and zero, under a great head coach in Sean Payton, great coaching staff. That scheme was perfect yep. for Teddy. But when you look at the one thing I love the upside of having Teddy on the team, even if he wasn't the starter, is you just need to have somebody there that can help Drew out because Flacco wasn't going to do it. Flacco was an ignorant word. I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> he was, I appreciate keeping it uh, PG. Yeah. He was he's ignorant. He did not he was not there to help out Drew Locke. He was there to play and inevitably look how that turned out. And I think even if Drew was the starter, having a guy like Teddy, even though Teddy isn't a Super Bowl winning quarterback, he hasn't played on all these great teams, he has experience. He's this person with experience that can help Drew with these little things that even Teddy struggled with in his earlier years in the league. This yep. is the one upside. Even if he's like, even with Teddy starting, Drew is learning in case he needs to get into that position. I, that's, that's just point, my opinion. Sorry to jump in, but that yeah. point you just made about Teddy being a professional and being willing to teach these guys, that is the number one thing that I love about Teddy. Is that even when they were in the throes of a competition, he never turned down Drew when Drew wanted to talk. He yep. was always there. I've never heard a single report from anywhere that Teddy has been anything other than the consummate professional He's when it comes to up all the other quarterbacks. And to jump off of what you were about to say about Flacco, I know why you were about to say it about Flacco. <laughs> because of the comment that he made before the season of the one year he spent in Denver, which was, it is not my job to teach these quarterbacks. Yep. And that was the moment that I knew it was not going to work out for Joe Flacco. And, and because the, he thought he was still a starter and he's not. And to the people who think Flacco's elite, there's, there's your answer. Yes. That right there <laughs> tells you all you need to know. 100%. The yeah. reason they did anything in that Super Bowl was because of the players around him. 
he yeah, didn't make those around him. Good. Yeah, I mean, you got to think about it. that was Anquan Bolden trying to get his ring before he retired, which he did retire right after that Super Bowl. Same you with know, Ray Lewis. Yeah, Ray Lewis on his Ed final <laughs> final journey. You know, I mean, it, just everything lined up. You had the the Mile High Miracle where Raheem Moore oh, broke the hearts of Broncos country. I'm sorry, but we got to because we brought it up. It hurts me too, but I got to keep it real. And no matter how much it hurts. But <laughs> and, and look at all these things around the league. And if Josh McCown, this is the one person who is just one of my favorites in the NFL, one of my favorites as a person, as is a Josh person, McCown. Yeah. Because he, he bounced around all these teams, and he was brought into these places to help these young quarterbacks, which he loved to do. And that's another thing. Who's another elite quarterback right, I can bring there. up. Yep, and I can bring up this guy because he'd love doing it. He's also a Hall of Famer. Is Kurt Warner? Yes, he was I mean, there he's for a whole YouTube channel. Yeah, that's nothing but breaking down quarterbacks and like tips for how to be a better quarterback. So yeah, I'm surprised. I, I think the only thing that's kept Kurt Warner from the sidelines is the paychecks he's getting from NFL Network. And watching and watching him when they brought in Eli in 2004 to the Giants. When he was there, he was there to help develop Eli. And Eli took, and he, I just don't remember when or where I saw, but Eli even talked about that's the man who really helped him get his career kicked off in the NFL was Kurt Warner. And then look what he did in Arizona before he was a starter, right. before he went to that Super Bowl with the Cardinals, which I, man, <laughs> San Antonio Holmes ruined that. That 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 whole season for Kurt Warner, yeah, that was another good one. We right had there. a Fitz in his prime and a Kurt Warner who needed something to prove for his last season, for his last few Most seasons. Most definitely. Right, but before we, I think we're getting pretty long here too. So before we end up everything here, I want to go ahead and get your player of the game. Player of the game. Ooh, this is a tough one. Yeah, I really want to go with Alexander Johnson. Nice one. If not Alexander Johnson, I was going to say Tim Patrick. Oh, go ahead with Alexander Johnson. I mean, Alexander Johnson, like we discussed earlier, five tackles all solo, two sacks. The man was all over the field. He was creating pressure the whole game. And it's the reason why that man is the defensive captain. He's calling the plays out there. He's out there for a reason. It's because of what he did today, and not just from today, from his past three seasons with the Broncos. Wonderful. That's a, that's a really good pick. Uh, kind of took my pick out from underneath me. That was going to be my guy. Um, so in in turn, I will go ahead and take your second pick, and that is Tim Patrick. I'll go ahead and give him his helmet sticker for the day. Five catches, 98 yards, 19.6 yard average, as we alluded to earlier. And again, you throw it anywhere near this man, he catches it. Five targets, five catches. The man just, he's just got glue for hands. I don't, I don't understand how the man went undrafted. I mean, I get that he had injury issues or whatever the case may be, but Just that 6'5 size, 230 pounds, can get down the field, make redonkulous catches that make you jump out your seat. I mean, I just look forward to seeing him continue to get the volume that he deserves. I was really scared that coming into the season that Judy and Hamler and Sutton were just going to suck all the life out of Tim Patrick and all of his targets and just really kind of screw his value in the league. But with the early injury to Judy and now the injury this week to KJ Hamler that looks pretty severe. The guy couldn't put, he couldn't put any pressure on it. So I think Timmy's going to get those targets again. 
And we'll find out more about him tomorrow. Yes, we will. And I will put an update on the Answers 42 social feeds and all that good stuff once we have some better information on him. But right now, it's just a leg injury that we know of. But again, one person's misery is another man's treasure. Timmy P gets to go out there and eat up all those extra targets that we're going to go to to Judy and Hamler. And so I think it's going to bode well both for the Broncos Such a great and for thing. the future. It's yeah. a great thing yeah. that you have depth at all these positions. It's getting really thin, though, at the it wide receiver. That Trinity-Benson trade is looming real big <laughs> right now because Deontay Spencer does not have any business running routes. No. That little man is going to get murdered. If they you know, keep throwing the ball to him over the middle of the field. I right. see too many comparisons. Are they comparing oh. to Trenton Holiday? I know. I Holiday mean, was he, different. Holiday was different, and he was actually smaller. It's, it's yeah. crazy to think that Deontay Spencer could have somebody smaller than him, but Trenton Holiday was. And so, yeah, it's, it's very similar. He's just that small little jitterbug that you need to leave on punt and kick returns, and I honestly think he's a waste of space on the, on the roster. I like what he does. He can be electric, but I just don't see how you justify the lack of offensive output that that kid, that kid makes. Like, he just does not do anything on offense. And the number one reason why is because the kid will get broken by, by NFL I mean, linebackers. Look what happened to and, KJ Hamler. He's, he's just, I, I don't know if they're about the same size or if KJ is a little bit identical. bigger. identical. KJ yeah. just a little bit bigger. Not well, by Especially after an inch and maybe, maybe five pounds. Like, after this offseason, especially after the offseason where KJ Hamler just bulked up a bit more, which yeah. is very needed. Oh, 100%. Actually, no, as a matter of fact, let's go ahead and do a comparison right now. KJ oh, Hamler man. is five foot nine, 178 pounds. I'm not so sure. Perfect slot, That's, though. It's a perfect yeah, slot a, size. A beautiful, I mean, he's a beautiful slot receiver. I love KJ Hamler. Don't get me twisted. Ooh, I man, love KJ Hamler. I honestly think that he's the reason why. Yep, I was actually almost perfect. Deontay Spencer's 5'8", 170. I said that uh, KJ was an inch taller and five pounds heavier. He is an inch taller and eight pounds heavier. And I'm good. That is. Yeah, the scene, but uh, (laughs) the people comparing Deontay to Trenton Holiday is Trenton Holiday was an amazing punt returner, but could also double on routes if needed. He's very liable on on routes if they really needed it, but man, that guy was an amazing punt return, a returner, especially half, especially during the Maha really miracle, right now. especially during that Maha miracle where he returned two damn punts for a touchdown and we still lost. I'm really angry with myself right now. Why? I just checked the score on the Packers game. They're up by ten. They're up seventeen to seven. Yeah, I have it on my other monitor. I didn't want I'm to say. I'm so anything. angry. Okay, to make sure your listeners know why I'm angry, I have correctly predicted every single game this weekend, every one, on the money line. I had a sixteen leg parlay. Right before the game, I had a cash out. I put a dollar down for a six thousand dollar win. I cashed out before the Packers game because probably I probably low. A little bit. I was, uh, of I my was scared. I was scared. I mean, it was it was it was mainly my own decision. I mean, I definitely took input from everybody, including Dylan here. But I cashed out, and all I had left was for the Packers to win and the Cowboys to win. The Packers are currently winning by ten points, seventeen to seven at halftime, and I cashed out. 
Hey. I got good scared. Luck. Good luck next week. See what scared money get you? <laughs> Denver? I told y'all the, the Teddy Bridgewater pick was a scared money pick. Well, now you see what scared money gets you. I mean, I still want $1,000 off of a dollar. I can't be too bad. I only put a dollar down on the parlay. I still won 1100 So there's that. Hey, but I, I would be looking can, at a lot more. I don't know if you could have as good as luck as that guy that predicted the safety on Super Bowl Forty Eight. Maybe, maybe, but I mean, hey, I am 14 for 14 right now, y'all, and I would be 15 for 15. I want to get too hyped yet. Let's see what happens in the second half. I know, but still, (laughs) that just makes me angry looking at it. Because now I know, I knew as soon as I cashed out, I got the text messages, Dylan saw it. As soon as I cashed out, I said, you know what? It's going to hit now. Because I cashed out, it's going to freaking hit. Because the full bet, the parlay was over six hundred three uh, plus over six hundred three thousand. So for a dollar, I would have won almost seven thousand if I let it ride. But I just couldn't do it. The G just looked too good, and hey. so I took the G. Hey, a G's so. a G. Hey man, a G's. In the, I got I got the bird in the hand. I, I guess I just left the two in the bush. What can I say? But hey, on that note, I think it's a pretty good place to go ahead and end this. Episode 1 of Breaking Broncos, Season 2021. It has been an absolute blast. I hope you, all of the viewers have enjoyed it again. This is your host, Daniel Wettstein II of the Answers 42 Network, and our co-host, Dylan Miles yeah. from the Alma Mater's Colorado Media School Alma, man. All right. Anyways, we love you all. Check us out on all the socials. Check us out on the website. we got so much more coming for you guys. I'm going to have some lives out here pretty soon to give y'all some tidbits on the uh, exciting things that we got in the pipeline. As you've seen, we got us a co-host here for Breaking Broncos, and many more things are coming. So, for Dylan, again, I am Daniel. It's been a blast. We love y'all. And for the answer is 42 of Breaking Broncos. Don't question the blue.